So I, I love seeing people, like I love seeing Greg, some of you know Greg, uh, Pastor Sarah's husband who's involved with our prayer ministry. He, he's one of the more well-educated people in theology, uh, much more formally than I am in our community. Uh, and so half the time I'm like, you could give this sermon way better than I could. And he's up here front row taking notes, being engaged, allowing the spirit to like push him and shape him in the things that are being shared up front. I wanna encourage you to have that posture today. If you have your phone out, make sure it's on the notes app. Right? <laughs> Someone's just feeling very convicted right now. Um, or put your phone down if it's distracting. Lean in and ask, all right, how, how am I gonna do with this? How am I gonna do with this? So Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing uh, by the lake of Gennesaret, which is, based, which is essentially the Sea of Galilee, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus has already got a little following going. He's a rabbi. So when it says the word of God, it's not like he's just like free verse right now. He's talking about uh, the Old Testament prophets. We, we, uh, he's talking about the, the Torah. He's reciting this tribe, this community, this Jewish faith's religion, and he's commenting on it and sharing about it and allowing it like it does today to, uh, to convict and to encourage. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So now people are crowding around him. And I believe we have a little picture here of the Sea of Galilee. And so uh, it's basically a big oval. So the fact that many in the ancient world, even the most well-traveled called it a lake really makes a lot of sense. Um, and so as people are crowding around, you can see in this basin here, I've been told uh, by a number of people, who, uh, in, including my reading this week, scholars who've been there, who've walked this area, walked this ground, uh, is that if you do uh, kind of go out into the water a little bit, in fact, there's like one of those tours that allow you to do that and you take a little boat out and then you start to share, it's like a little mini amphitheater. So Jesus is simply just, just being practical here. There's a lot of people crowding up close to him and you know this, if you want to speak to a number of people uh, and you're really close to everybody, it's really tough to reach them all. So he backs off and he goes out into the boat. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. I'm assuming he knows Simon. <laughs> I think I love that. It was funny. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> and asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Let's stop there for a moment. S Simon and his crew are fishermen. I was just reading a story of somebody who uh, went to this area recently and uh, went out and did a little fishing expedition and it was during the day and sure enough, uh, he, he commented, he's like, I'm not sure if it's just because I'm a bad fisherman or there's something here about trying to fish during the day. But sure enough, he asked around and this is the thing, you don't go fishing during the day specifically in this area. There's a number of reasons why, uh, but you don't tend to catch very much. So this is the morning and Simon is, uh, is this is his craft. This is what he, he does. So somebody coming in, as much as he clearly has a relationship with Jesus, 
We're going to see in a moment he does not necessarily understand who he is or revere him yet in such a high sort of way. And so a rabbi is commenting on a fisherman's task. And you can feel the grumbling in this passage. They're like, are you serious right now? Am I really supposed to do this? Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. That's like a sermon right there. No, 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 no. I know how things are supposed to go. I know, I know how this is supposed to, to happen. No, no, I know honestly what's real. No, I've settled this in my heart. How many of us are willing to say, yeah, yeah, because you say so? How many of us? Yeah, because you say so, I, I'll give it a shot. I don't know about you, but I insulate myself from that sort of like command from God as much as possible. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, but because you say so, I will do the thing that is incredibly annoying. We look at this and just, we again, put this sort of scene uh, up in, I don't know, up in the clouds in some idyllic way. And, and the, the disciples were just like, ah, but I'm with the rabbi. And if I were there, I obviously would have done the same thing. Like, no, they don't know who he is at the beginning of his ministry. In fact, we learn from Simon Peter that even at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he does know who he is, he still has a hard enough time obeying anything Jesus says. So let's not get it twisted that, oh, I would have done that. I would have totally gotten involved in that. I would have been, without even grumbling at all, they're cleaning the nets. They've been out all night. And this rabbi like wants to pull some kind of what parlor trick? This is gonna be some kind of like, like little guerrilla theater you're gonna do? Like, please, no. I mean, I don't know if all that's in there, but <laughs> I'd like to think that it is. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. I want to pray for a second. Pray with me. Would you be willing to be open for just a second, those of us who have a hard time with that, that God could maybe speak something to you right now or there's something in your mind or in your conscious that God might bring up right now? Is that cool? How many people are in? Awesome, just for a sec. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I believe that there are things that you have spoken over people. I believe, Lord, there are um, corrections, instructions, leadings. You've shown a, a light on some sin, some, some brokenness. You, you've given words of encouragement and life and they've been ignored that some of my brothers and sisters have stayed on the shore. They kept just cleaning the nets. No, 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 God, no, no, we're good. And so I wanna invite those of us who feel like they're in that place. Like right now, they literally know the thing that it is and they're just shoving it down. But because you say so. Because you say so, I'll do it. This is, this is about trust. We know that, Lord. And so to my fellow sisters and brothers who have a hard time trusting you, would you give them the strength to do that now? And so if that's you, whether you want to say it out loud or under your breath, 
Would you just repeat the words? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Okay, I trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You ever been in the presence of greatness? I want to make so many jokes right now like you all are. <laughs> you ever been in the presence of greatness? You ever met your idol? Anyone ever met their idol? Yeah. Who? Just throw out a name and let us all judge your idol. Tom Brady. You met Tom? Oh, aspirational. I'm going to talk about Tom in a minute. <laughs> Anyone else met, their, met, met, the, met an idol? Yeah. Doug Overton. I don't know who that is, but I love that. Who else? Who? <laughs> Someone met Gronk? It's all Pats players. I love this. <laughs> Anthony Green. Oh, good man. You ever been in the presence of somebody? Or, or, or do you remember a moment of like coming into, um, like into, uh, into proximity to somebody's craft? And you were just like, oh my gosh, if I could do that. Like, I remember the first time, how many big music fans in the room right now? I remember the first time I heard Radiohead's Paranoid Android. Any reference point for that for anybody? <laughs> it was like Radiohead. It's a band that put out a song called Paranoid Android. And I remember this song. Just, it's like a magnum opus. It, it's, like, it's like Queen meets Pink Floyd meets something else. Like Brit Rock. It was, it was unbelievable. I remember thinking, if I could write a song like that. I just started to write music, and I hear this piece of art, and I said, this is genius. It spurred me on, like, to, to want to create. I felt a little bit, I, I know I have a propensity towards being a little dramatic, but it, it quite literally, I couldn't stop listening to it. I thought, this is so good. Anyone come up against some sort of design? Or there's like a, a friend of mine is just obsessed with all things Apple. He's like read every biography of Steve Jobs that's ever come out. And he just swept up and like this, to create a business like this. There was something about the genius. And then, of course, when you begin to learn the backstory, usually it doesn't let you down, especially if it's like a good rags to riches story or it's a good, like, this innovation came out of nowhere. Right? This is the moment where we as New England people, I'm going to stay on the pats for a quick moment, are going to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> again over it. <laughs> I'm not. Brady did the two-minute drill again. It was like, I've seen this so many times. Why am I still nervous? Of course he's going to do it. Unbelievable. I kept thinking of the Kanye line, like, bow in the presence of greatness. I'm not going to listen to it. Read the rest of it. <laughs> it's like, this is no ordinary person. Or this is a very ordinary person doing incredibly extraordinary things. 
Every single time, I've never had an aspiration to be a football player, but every time I see the Pats do something like that, me and my brothers, we just want to run outside and like play crazy plays like up and down the street. I mean, it, 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 there's something about it that pulls something out of you. Recognize the genius. And another picture for you. I want you to just kind of hold these things in, in tension. Being in the presence of greatness and being like wowed or taken aback by it. And then there's this image in the scripture of light. Say light. When light comes into the world, when light comes into a moment, when light comes into a room, it, it, it begins to like expose things for what they are. Like it's powerful. You can't really hide from it. We, uh, we had, there was a room in our house that uh, when we moved in, uh, the electricity still wasn't working. We had someone to come in to wire it. Our, our house has got serious wiring issues. It was like one, at one point, it must have been wired well. But ever since then, everyone's just sort of layered nonsense uh, over top of it. And so we had electricians coming in trying to figure out why this one room wouldn't turn on. And we had a bit of an issue with it. When we finally got the lights on, like two months later, all of a sudden, like, okay, there's a lot of nastiness in this room. You start to realize the corners and what's really there. It kind of exposes all of the truth. Okay, third image. One is a, of a plane. I've been flying a little bit this last week. Uh, and so I, I've realized this habit, and I always realize it when I'm on the plane with somebody else. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Sarah, last time you and I flew, I would put headphones on, and uh, I always need to put on a worship song. It's a little like religious and superstitious, I think, at this point. But honestly, it's like a spiritual discipline. Every time we take off, I realize, oh my gosh, we're probably going to crash. So I better be with the Lord. Some worship music helps me do that. I start to think of my kids. I'm like, should I text? I'm like, what will happen like, to this, to that, to the church, to my wife? I'm praying about my wife. Would I be okay if she got remarried? Like, I mean, I'm just like, boo! Off and running very quickly when that plane goes to take off. It takes a lot to distract me from that. But what is it about the, the, that moment when you're about to take off or when you're about to land, you, you start to, or just when there's turbulence in the air. That's another thing, like turbulence, worship music. Shout to the Lord on the, like, <laughs> It's because you, you feel what? I don't know. I feel like the fragility of my life feel how small I am. I am in an aluminum can in the sky. Like, if this thing goes down, the life raft that I'm supposed to cling to like this is not going to help. Anyone ever thought about running to the back of the plane? You know how the wings sometimes in a plane crash are still like there, like the back tail? I always think if I could run back and find a compartment, like go to the bathroom and kick through the door. Nobody? I'm so weird. Okay. Plain, light, your idol. I was trying to find a way, and I needed sort of three different images to get at this. And what happens in this next section? Because if you've ever read through this text, which is a fairly common text, this is about the calling of the disciples. Peter's reaction to Jesus' miracle is strange. Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a number of fish that their nets began to break. So 
They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. An incredible thing happens. He's a little bit humbled. He was like, nothing's going to happen, Jesus. He goes out there, this happens. Responses that would come naturally to my mind. Thank you. That's amazing. Do you have any other tricks? Could you come back tomorrow and fish with us? I got all sorts of natural. But, but, but. Fall to my knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. If this is your first time encountering the Bible, you, I don't blame you for a moment to just go like, what, why? I'm missing some subtext here. Did Jesus just recently talk to him about how sinful he is? Maybe there's something not included in the text. And what's Jesus's response? If I would think, what, what do you, do? dude, I just got to use some fish. I wanted to prove to all these people that I'm kind of a big deal. Peter's on the ground in this story. <laughs> Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees, said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, one of the most often repeated phrases in all of the Bible, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. When Simon realizes that he is in the presence of God, there's this uncertainty of what might happen. We try really hard to insulate ourselves from moments like this. That was why I wanted to take that little moment at the beginning, kind of wax poetic on the disciples being invited back out into the water. For all the ways I joke about the plane, it's one of the greatest like spiritual disciplines and moments I have throughout the year, the couple times a year I fly. It's why we do Lent. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to recognize my fragility. I'm gonna recognize the bigness of God. It's when I'm standing like at the edge of, the, of a canyon or at the expanse of an ocean or I think I told you a story of like a whale kind of coming under a friend's surfboard. Like, like these moments that just feel like, whoa, that was big. I am small. I, if, if God's here, that means I can't hide. I can hide from every other person, even my closest like, neighbor, my spouse doesn't know that or that or that. But God shows up, the lights get turned on. God shows up, he knows what's happening in my heart. God shows up, it's like there's some awe and God could take me at any moment. There's an awe and reverence that throughout the Bible we see this Bible, the, the, these stories of God interacting with people cues a reverence and awe. And the word, honestly, most often is fear. And so why Jesus then turns and says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he extends him an invitation. It's not condemnation. Peter in this moment sees what Jesus does. It's something that's close to home. 
And he, he, he just falls down like, oh my gosh, I am in the presence of greatness. I am not worthy. It reminds us of Isaiah 5, where Isaiah it just has this encounter with the Lord and he just says, I am, I am nothing. Woe is me. And actually the same thing that happens to Isaiah happens to, to Simon here where he recognizes that how small he is. He recognizes his need for God. He recognizes the, the inconsistencies and the brokenness and the passions that have gotten disordered in his own heart. And then he hears the words of God, I, I will cleanse you. And then he is sent out. Here I am, send me in Isaiah. And we have the same thing happening here with Simon. There's not condemnation. He's extended an invitation Peter wanted to send the Lord away. He says, get out of here. The opposite response that probably any of us would think to have. Go. I, I can't, I know I, I can't, that's too much. He goes to send the Lord away, but Jesus wanted to draw Peter closer. When we encounter the things of God in the way of Jesus, even as folks that have been following him for a long time, this obviously relates to the folks that maybe aren't, do not consider themselves followers of Jesus who are just trying to make sense of their spirituality this morning. But I think for a lot of us, we continue to build walls, insulating ourselves from the presence of God in our lives. It manifests itself often just like this. I don't want to be, anyone, anyone has a hard time being quiet for a long time because they don't want to be like alone with their thoughts. Be honest. It's okay. I, I, I've, I've told this story like about a thousand times of my need to put on like a TV show when I go to bed and fall asleep to like radio or something else. I can't even put on music because music too much triggers like, oh yeah, there's all that I have to think about and pray about. And it's one of the few quiet moments I have during my day. I've had to, had to really like get to a healthy place with that. It's the same thing. In fact, oftentimes I, I literally think it's the same thing. I, I can't be quiet. I, I cannot be with the Lord. The Bible will be my only place, which is a good place to start of my interaction with God, but I will skip around and I will read a one verse devotional that just tells me the best is yet to come and then I will walk away from it. This is why the, the psalmist David reflects. He says, what God desires in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God, like what he's after are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. It's about getting to reality. David's not like, feel real bad all the time. That's what God likes. No, no, God wants reality. When Jesus shows up and does this miracle, it's not like some magic supernatural dust he's sprinkling on the earth. It's actually heaven breaking through and the most real earth that there is. Like this is a moment where he sees things as they are through a simple miracle of extra fish. Whenever Jesus seems to show up in the scriptures, whenever God shows up, when Paul's talking about like the end of the world and God's showing up, it's like light, light, light. Things just like, oh, that's how things really are in my heart, in the world. And so it seems scary at first and frightening. Why? Because our sin in the garden was that we were hiding. 
So you can't hide. But what happens on the other side of hiding? You get found. And being found is kind of what Jesus is all about. I found, (laughs) I have found that being found is not a one-time event. There's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me in a big way, like when I first came to Jesus. And then there's like amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, like yesterday. That keeps waking me up to life. And I think it's hard for some of us to trust that on the other side of the initial conviction that it is coming up against the way of Jesus is life, is freedom, is joy. And it's easy when it's sometimes the obvious things in our lives that are jacked up, but oh man, it's the subtle things that hook us and that take us away from the, from the best is yet to come to take us away from the goodness of life. There's no condemnation. Jesus sees that Simon's having a moment here. He sees that Simon sees, truly. And then Jesus goes, don't be afraid. I get it, man. I'm a big deal. I, 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 get, I get it. This, this has happened before. You know, one of the tough parts of the trade of the whole Messiah thing. I, I get it. Don't be afraid. I like to think maybe you just say, get up. And then what does he extend to him? An invitation. Come on. The whole thing about waking you up that I just did, let's go do that for some others. Come, follow me. Follow me. And for a rabbi to say, follow me, literally means to follow him. Ever played follow the leader? As a child, it's a pretty simple game. Adult Christians seem to have a hard time with it. Yeah, but he didn't really mean that. I mean, love your enemies, kind of. (laughs) No. (laughs) Look, I'm the chief of sinners up here. Please don't get it twisted to some sort of distance of me and you or maybe you and the person sitting next to you. Come follow me. The life that I have for you. Right, he says in John, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Abundant life. Really, really good life. The best that there is. Come follow me. Being invited into greatness. This is why, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, it's really hard to enjoy sin. Right? It's like when people feel like, oh, I feel so guilty. It's like you're not trusting God's grace for you, one, but it's why it's really difficult to enjoy sin and why people usually just have to walk away from the faith altogether or they have to take seriously God's grace that he loves you and for you and is gonna fight this out with you and can heal you, right? Because if you're a follower of Jesus and you know the way, if you know what it is to sing in tune, 
than when things start getting out of tune. You, you feel it and, and sense it immediately. It's why when, when you begin to know and experience the richness and blessing of a generous life, of a life that isn't worried about yesterday or tomorrow, a life that's free from the fear of death, these are all things that Jesus lays out for us, a life that entrusts other people to God, a life that isn't caught up in the anxiety of doing, needing to do X, Y, and Z to prove or to achieve, a life that's full of joy, a life where you're commanded to stop and party and celebrate and rest and turn off and remember that God's good world and God's good kingdom will go on without you and the freedom that that is, to enjoy the rest of God's grace and that his mercy anew every morning. When you begin to know that life, it's really hard not to slip into sin, but to be okay with it because you sense and know the dissonance. You know when you're out of tune. That's how I, I, I've always thought. I remember years ago, someone talking about life with God and that's how they talked about it. It was like a song. It was like there's this way that Jesus says, I've come to show you what it looks like. I've come to show you how to sing the song. I've come to show you, it says, what God is like. We're told this is what God is like. The truth, John calls the logos, the, what's at the bottom of everything. And so when it's like, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness is bought with. Like, as soon as you start to slip, feel it, you know it. And there's this invitation to come back into tune with the song. There are folks here today, I know that you're here. I had a few friends tell me that you're here. They just feel like you need an invitation to like sing along. So consider this your invitation. Maybe you've been circling the community for a bit. and Maybe you're not Peter in this story. Maybe you're just uh, in the crowd. Like you're, you're out on the crowd, you're looking at this whole thing go down and you're like, I would love for something, I think I would love for something like that to happen to me. But if that means I'm gonna have to if, 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 I, if I begin to trust that that's God and that God's making all things new and that this thing that seems to be beautiful that's happening right now, if that means he's also then gonna call me to follow him, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm ready for everything that would come. Let me tell you, it is, it is the only way. But it is hard. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls you, he calls you to come and die. <laughs> to come and die to yourself. To come and die die and kill off all the things that actually aren't truly you that, are, that aren't who God created you to be so the invitation is both easy come to me all who are weary and heavy I won't lay heavy things on you and yet the invitation is to say take this so seriously come and to trust that yes you are loved and forgiven by the God of the universe and he is inviting you to make him king of your life which means it usually starts with a bit of Peter going down on one knee and going, just get away from me. You have no idea how messed up I am. You have no idea how sinful I am. Don't even think about inviting me to anything. Like, I cannot handle this right now. This is a bit much. It's that moment where you are in the presence of greatness and the presence of greatness, the God of the universe, the master of the universe, just went all He-Man on you. When he goes and he reaches down, he says what? 
don't be afraid. Join me in this journey. Join me in this life. I am telling you, living, knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing that God is on your side, that you are in Christ, that you don't need to fear, that you don't need to jockey for position. I'm telling you, it's the best way. Help me bring others into this. Help me. Look, I'm creating this crew of beggars and broken hypocrites and messed up people who are gonna tell other messed up and hypocritical people where to find bread, where to find water, where to find wine, where to find joy. Come with me. And if you are anything like me, that invitation is not just for the people in this room who are not followers of Jesus. Amen? It's again and again and again and again. Again and again. I hate that it's again and again so often. It's like, God, there you are. I'm not letting you into that place. All right, I will go back out into the water and I will encounter you again. I'll go out into the water and listen to your voice. I will open up the word and allow it to convict me again. I will, I will do this because I know where the life is. Broken and contrite heart is what our God desires. Because he just wants you to be sober. He wants you to be honest about reality. So let's wake up. Let's wake up, O oh sleeper, scriptures say. Wake up. See the sunrise. See the goodness. See the love that he has for you. I needed to see it again this week as I fall into bad traps and bad temptation. I need to see it again. Lord, wake me again to your love. Show me again because I want to follow you. The disciples in a, in a funny moment being asked, look, do you want to take off? Because in some ways, a, a numb life, a disconnected life, a despondent life, a lesser life, a weaker life is in some ways feels easier. But the disciples know better later on in the story. And they say what? To whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words that will allow me to live forever. You have the words that are the best. I get up here with no arrogance, with no our religion's better than yours thing. When I say he's the way, the truth, and the life. You won't find the life of the ages anywhere else. And I am not just preaching to those today who are not followers of Jesus. If anything, I'm preaching more to those of us in this room that need to continue to ask the question, what does it mean for me to make Jesus Lord over my whole life? Not just the parts that people see. He's good. So, we hear your invitation. We do not hear condemnation. We hear, Lord, do not fear. Come, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Come, you're gonna join this beautiful movement of justice and love and mercy and goodness. Come, be an agent of my grace. Come, be an agent of reconciliation. I'm gonna make my appeal through you. Come, 
come and join the good fight. Come, come and rest. Jesus says, come and rest. Come and know his joy. Come all who are weary and heavy laden. God, just come and follow me. Trust me. Don't trust Andrew. Don't trust Sanctuary. Don't trust Sarah. Don't trust Rick. Don't trust your home group leader. Don't trust your butt. Don't trust me. Come and follow me. This is not a social club. Come and follow me. Father's arms are open wide. Come. Come. And oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him. For sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. I'll invite the servers up. We're just going to close right now as we take communion together. So we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, a reminder of Christ's body broken and blood poured out. So if you're here and in your heart, you made a commitment to say yes to Jesus, to get back up and say, I will follow you. I repent of my sin. I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. I don't know how that's all gonna work out. say yes to your grace if that's you right now would you make this moment would you seal this moment and as you come forward in the communion line stay to the left and go and tell someone say hey I said yes to Jesus pastor told me to do that I'm not sure what else to do just that (laughs) just come and and we have a we have a bible for you a card for you someone just want to pray for you and bless you if you're here (laughs) And there's just been some specific conviction that has just come up in your heart right now. And you want to take, take a few minutes to pray and seal that. After you're done taking communion, just come and even in between the servers up here, just feel free to kneel or to just come to the altar and receive some prayer to be still. We're just going to take five more minutes and take this moment to remember Christ's body broken and his blood poured out for us. To remember his love and forgiveness for us. The night he was betrayed, Christ gave thanks. He broke bread and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And later on, he takes the cup, says, this is the blood, the new covenant in my blood, as often as you drink it. So remember, remember, do this in remembrance of what I've done, of who I am, of this great way that you are invited into. So we come to the altar. We come to the table. The Father's arms are open wide.